1: Welcome to a Friday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. We are here for the very first preview episode of the 2023-2024 season after a very depressing day yesterday behind us regarding Thibaut Courtois' injury. If you're looking for our thoughts on that, that's already done. We put it, we filed it away yesterday over on Patreon.com slash Managing Madrid. We did over one hour of discussion on Courtois' injury. Uh, also, potential replacements, ranking the best signings, and a lot more, including what the Mbappé news from La Parisienne actually meant for the transfer SEGA and whether it actually meant anything or not. So that's all over on Patreon.com slash ManagingMadrid. That out of the way, Jose Perez,
0: it's been a long time. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Ready. Hello, Kian. Hello, everyone. I am very ready for another season of La Liga. I sometimes... Uh, yeah, I, like at at one point, just the whole transfer market gets crazy enough and there's just so, so much noise in it that I, I think I'm really at the point where I'm like, I just like to get some games going on already. That's yeah, that's pretty much how I feel at the moment.
1: You're like me, you're interested in the football itself. <laughs> and so yeah, when, well, when it starts, you know, it's we can start talking about football and, and less about theoreticals and these unpredictable transfers. When you wake up and you have to deal with that, so
0: it'll be nice to have games again. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, yesterday was an interesting morning to wake up to because I'd like just wake up and it's like, okay, so then the Mbappe news. Okay, then Kane bid is accepted. Okay, there goes options one and two, and okay. then uh, and then and then the Thibault injury. And it's like, okay, that is, today's gonna be fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a brutal day yesterday. Um, so <laughs> I just wanted to inform you that over the summer because you haven't been on since last season i think um yeah, yeah i don't know we did either previews or champions league stuff or whatever we did something for sure we've been we you you were on quite a bit last season and hopefully that'll go back to normal this season but over the summer we did a live call one of our weekly live zoom calls for patrons and and someone asked said where's jose Keon, stop letting all these smart people Go like make sure that they're on the podcast. I said, Jose will be back. Don't worry, he'll be back. So you're back,
0: um, Jose.
1: Athletic, group. Very,
0: yes. So, one very, of course, very happy to be back to talk about just all of Spanish football, even though, ah, like sometimes you know, I complain about the transfer market, but sometimes you see all the moves going on in England and you think, okay, so much player movement, so many teams, like it's just kind of an arms race, uh, in England. And then, and then I go pull up, uh, Athletic Loops transfer marked and I'm like, Oh, okay. That's, (laughs) that's not much activity. And that's kind of how I summarize the current situation at Athletic. It's, I mean, Athletic just works on a completely different frequency to every other club in Europe. Because I mean, other clubs in Europe, they will have, they might have significant transfers uh, every summer that can change a lot the way the team plays. With Athletic, it's all always like a bit slower, you know, because in the end they, I mean, they have limitations in how they can source their players, and that means that things there from summer to summer actually go by very slowly. Uh, Athletic thinks more in terms of generations. Do we have like a new good generation of Basque players that are going to come up? And right now it really feels like Atletic is in like a transition moment from say an older generation of players, Muniain, Leque de Marcos, Vesca, even Andre Herrera, even if he's not playing much these days to kind of a new generation with Oyan said with Nico Williams, even if he doesn't stay too long there. Um, the, the center back pairing of Danny Vivian and Aitor Paredes, who Paredes, who's been doing a lot of playing for like the Spanish youth sides. Uh, um, um, so it's more it's more that slow transition over time with, to a new generation. But other than that, like Athletic just has mostly the same prob uh, the same pros and cons that they've had in the last couple years. I mean, the main thing is that right now I, I found it very interesting because I was listening to Spanish radio, and one of the journalists was asking like an Athletic journalist like who's the leader now at, at Athletic, and he's like. He, and he's kind of like, I don't know. And that's mm. the main thing. After Inigo left, Inigo Martinez was the leader. So Inigo leaves, who's the leader now at Atletic? That's a bit hard to tell. And I think that's the main difference between Athletic last year and Atletic this year.
1: Well, you mentioned the transfers in Spain. I mean, obviously, Athletic is a unique case because we all know how they, they operate, you know, signing Basque players and only Basque players. So their transfer in some ways it's better, it's easier decision-making, no decision-making fatigue in the athletic transfer world. You know, they just kind of know who they can sign and who they can't sign. They don't have to overthink it that much. Um, But this is, it's not just athletic. You know, if you go across La Liga, there's not that much movement, you know. There is obviously nope. transfers happening here and there, like every year, but this is, with England, I I legitimately will forget, like, which transfer yeah. was made. I'll forget like this player was on that team, for example, but in, in Spain, I can kind of keep track of, you know, oh, okay. Isco went to Betis. Okay. Got it. Noted. You know, there's not a long list of of things happening in Spain. It's kind of just the, the nature of the the market right now, but that's for a different day. So you mentioned Inigo leaving. um, And athletic and, 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 and I don't know, like I'm, I'm more interested to ask you about, like, what is different about them this year? And you kind of already answered it. Because Athletic is kind of Athletic. They're not going to have huge overhauls from season to season. Uh, you mentioned Inigo obviously leaving. So there goes one center-back pairing. Yeray Alvarez is injured. And that's something that Matt wrote about on managingwidget.com So they're going to have a makeshift center-back duo tomorrow.
0: Yes, Young one a bit and this is gonna be a point that we'll make later. Like it's a weaker because I mean there's no Inigo and Geray Alvarez this time. It's Danny Vivian and Paredes, and that's weaker than usual. I saw them play against uh, Manchester United, because against Manchester United, I think Valverde played what will be the eleven uh against my Ma- against Madrid. And yeah, they look a bit like it's a it seemed a bit Easy to slip behind that Athletic defensive line, and that is not something you get to say very Like we we say very often before, so it looked, uh, yeah, it, it looked a bit easier. Then, as far as signings, I think um, the main things is that Imanol. Uh, uh, well, they have two majorish returns from loan. Uh, Asier Villalibre, the the striker with like the giant with the giant beard, is returning from Alaves. Imanol Garcia was at Eibar. Uh, he's a left back. They're coming back from loans in the second division, and I think they're going to have a may- they're going to have a, ro- a significant role in the squad this season. Um, then I think the biggest incoming though is that Inigo Galarreta ca- came in on a free transfer. He did uh he played a lot of minutes in Mallorca's midfield last season and i think he's going to have a big role this season uh, at Athletic. so like the double pivot in previous years was maybe something like Mikel Vesga and Dani Garcia Dani Garcia is getting a bit old and in some ways he was never really the organizer the midfield organizer that Athletic needed, so I think this season they're going to try a lot with Galarreta to see if he can become that midfield organizer. So I would say, as far as the new incomings and and what things could look different this season, Galarreta might be one of the biggest factors in midfield. So
1: Athletic last season pretty much average in goals scored and goals against, but they underperformed dramatically their goals expected goals against and their expected goals. So they got a little bit unlucky in that regard, but it's also more to me than labeling it as luck. I mean, this is the story with Athletic for a while now that they just don't have someone to put the chances away clinically last year. They relied on Williams. I mean, both of them and, and also sunset contributed with 10. Yes. So you have the really good creators like the Munyains, but
0: how much has that changed this
1: year? Is that the same story for
0: them? It will be. And that's the main issue. It will be the same story for them. I, I mean, Acer via Libre comes back as a striker, but he's not exactly a guy who's expected to give you more than five to ten goals. So uh, it's like that's the thing. Like Atletic, uh, the main missing thing for Atletic for... Again, I talk about uh, Athletic going from generation to generation. The main thing that's been missing in this new generation for Athletic is the striker. That's that's really the missing piece. I mean, Iñaki Williams, there was always the dream of him becoming that striker. But unfortunately, he's not the killer. He's not a killer. His finishing issues are infamous at this point, and it didn't get quite he's obviously aware of the issue he's tried to fix it it's not quite there yet so i think at this point it's quite it's safe to assume that he's never going to be that killer that athletic needs and it's going to be hard for him to be that player who can deliver consistently 15 to 20 goals every se- every league season athletic doesn't have that profile and i think it's one of the biggest obstacles in the team performing better and getting to european spots again it's not going to change this year they don't have that profile yet via libre is going to give some squad depth but it's not going to be it's not going to move the needle for them in the forward line so it's still going to depend on say sunset and the williams brothers putting away the chances efficiently this season which yeah we'll see about that
1: so in order to speak about key matchup, something that we normally do on these preview podcasts, I think we need to shift over to Real Madrid and decipher what our formation is and what our lineup is. So the theme last season was Vinicius versus right back, key matchup. Uh, that may be the case for the next 10 years or so on this podcast. I'm not sure. But how do you see Real Madrid lining up based on what you've seen through preseason and also what Carlo Ancelotti has been saying and how the squad is constructed, currently constructed?
0: Yeah, I guess in the current situation, it's still giving the midfield over, booking the experiments in preseason. I still, uh, I'm kind of, uh, I, like the, I like the diamond, or at least to keep testing it. There are issues with it. Um, like just the whole, I mean, just the whole overarching question of now our most decisive forward is Vinicius. Do we want to have a formation where Vinicius is not, Next to the wing, in arguably his best position. Um, that's uh, then if I were optimistic about it, I would also think uh, I would also go to that saying of like the best players play have to move to the center at some point, uh, either sometime in their careers or at or, or they start on the wing and then move to the center more throughout the game. But I think at some point, also, if we want Vinicius to hit like really like even better goal and assist stats than what he has right now, I think it's also reasonable to think that he needs to play a bit more in the center. So it could be, this is me seeing like the optimistic perspective about this, that maybe this moving him more to the center can help unlock a bit more of his goal scoring potential. That's the optimistic version. But of course, getting to that point, we'll see. There will be some struggles because of course Vinicius is very used to his position on the left and he's extremely good at it so there's not that much incentive to change it but uh currently it is what it is it seems that there's been rumors this week of uh that Trameni uh, is favored to start I of course would be favorable to that I don't know I I do think that the Barcelona out of the Preseason friendlies. I have a feeling that the Barcelona friendly is the one that showed uh, that's closest to like Ancelotti's current intention with the squad. So I wouldn't be that surprised if we play uh, something like that going against uh, going against Atletic. But at the same time, uh, the the main thing I would change is that I'm pretty sure one of Kroos and Modric will start in that one
1: yeah it's interesting. I mean like I think I wonder how how quickly or if if he does it how quickly Ancelotti will go back to a four three three from the diamond mm-hmm. and I, but I don't think it's gonna happen right away if he does deviate from it. I think it's gonna be more of like he'll give it like a one month at least to see how it works and functions quite frankly and I know people Maradis, a lot of Maris has hated hearing this, but from a process oriented view of what happened in preseason, ignoring the results against Juve and Barca, it worked to some degree. It created a lot of chances that we couldn't yes, right? So you have to look at that math and be like, will that get better if we just keep, I mean, we have to create, right? Like, there's no goal scorer coming in the team, maybe if Mbappe doesn't arrive, so you want to create as many chances as you can. So at least the math tells you the more you create, the more you'll score. You don't want to limit those offensive opportunities. So, uh, and Ancelotti has said, like, you know, it's the defense we need to solve. He's right on that front as well. So I just think that he'll continue with this. Um, and regardless of if we score or not, Bellingham has looked great in that role. I think Vinicius will get the hang of it. And I think what will ultimately change with Vinicius is that he'll he might have a more fluid role rather than like, yes, you know, with his back to goal as a striker, etc. You know, kind of shift in and out of the left, drive through the middle, carry the ball. I think he's dangerous in those positions. Um, so I think we we think that the diamond is going to be what's rolled out tomorrow. And the way I like, and we can go based on this lineup to to talk about our key matchups, Jose. I think it's going to be Courtois, Carvajal, Militao, Alaba.
0: Courtois. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I completely just like it's, it's not it's, it hasn't it hasn't sat in my brain yet it hasn't it's not reality yet it's <laughs> devastating all right it's not Lunin, <laughs> Lunin, Carvajal uh, I'm just sad now Lunin, Carvajal Militao Alaba Fran Garcia Chumeni Kamavinga Cruz Bellingham Vinicius Rodrigo is how I think it's going to be. Which means Rosilu on the bench, Mordic on the bench, Fede Valverde on the bench, I think, is what's going to happen. Can't guarantee it.
0: But... I can't guarantee it, but it does make sense to me. Again, I've just... Been hearing rumors about Chamani starting. I feel like Kamavinga and Bellingham are at this point are nailed on starters almost. I agree. Like, I I find it difficult for them to be benched. And then if you're going to play one of Kroos and Modric, you play Kroos. One, because structurally he's the most important midfielder still in this team. And two, because it's just nicer to have Modric as the option to come in the second half and have an impact. Like, Kroos doesn't do... Uh, Cruz doesn't have that kind of impact if he comes in as a substitute. So it's just better to have, uh, Modric in the bullet chamber like that. So, well, I think I, to add to
1: that, Jose, like Cruz, also his progressive passing, uh, I think complements the rest of the midfielders that we have. And yes. also, Modric is, a good option in any game state to bring it off the bench, whether you need some creativity or you need someone to cover ground and control. Like I think he just works in any situation essentially.
0: Yes. And, but yeah, so the lineup you put out, like I I was thinking about it because of course the main thing that we don't know is how the midfield will shape up, but that's kind of how I see it. Like I'm hearing from will start. I think Bellingham and Camaving are nailed on starters. And I think Kroos, makes more sense to start than modric so i think that's going to be the the diamond for this time
1: right so which that leads us to key matchups
0: to the matchups yes so reviewing a bit what atletics expected 11 will be so i am working under the assumption that the 11 that they use uh against manchester in their last friendly against manchester united will be the 11 that they will use this time around. Uh, which would be Unai Simón at goal. Uh, The center backs, again, Yeray Alvarez is injured, so uh, Dani Vivian and Aitor Paredes are going to be starting. Again, both of them young center backs, promising, but it's not the same kind of roughness you will find uh, uh, compared to Inigo and to Yeray. So it's a softer center back pairing this time around. And then the full backs are likely going to be Oscar De Marcos on one side, Uh, Leque on the, uh, on the other, on the left side, because Yuri Berchis is, is injured at the moment. So the Marcos and Leque as the fullbacks. Midfield, a double pivot of Mikel Vesca and new signing Galarreta. Uh, and then Oyan said set being kind of the 10, uh, uh, being the 10. And then the forward line, Iñaki Williams as the striker, Nico Williams on the right, and this is, I think, the main doubt I have whether Berenguer will start on the left or Muniain. Muniain is the one who started against Manchester United, so I'm betting on him, but I think that's the one where we could see a change. Fun matchups that I see uh given Athletic starting lineup. First of all, it'll be a fun test for Frank Garcia to have to face Nico Williams. So that's gonna be that's one of the ones I'm most excited about because. We actually get like a decent, like a good level test for Fran Garcia and his and his defensive skills because he's gonna have to go against one of the more dangerous uh, one-on-one players in the league. So I want to see how how this one turns out. Uh, Then, if Berenguer plays on the left instead of Muniain, uh, the only concern I have is. He is very aggressive at going into the box. Can he go in behind Carvajal uh, and get into and get into the box? So Carvajal has to be careful about tracking those runs if Berenguer starts. If Muniain starts, then he's gonna be he's not gonna be that aggressive. It's gonna be more of a playmaker. I think it's a bit of an easier challenge for Carvajal in that case. The other thing that I find interesting is whoever R six is in the diamond, likely Trahmany is going to have to do some tracking of Sunset. Sunset is, I mean, he's the typical 10 kind of player, lots of mobility in between the lines, trying to run away from the defensive midfielder to find a space to receive the ball comfortably. So um, the six, likely Chouameni, is going to have to do some tracking there and just be on the lookout and not let him receive the ball comfortably. And again, the last matchup that calls my attention is, of course, Rodrigo and Vinicius as our strikers against that young athletic duo, because on paper, they should have the advantage. I think they haven't looked that well. Like in terms of defending the space behind them, there is potential to go in behind them. So that's what I'm seeing at the moment in terms of matchups. Um,
1: look, like speaking this preview into existence and going over, like it gives me optimism. Um, you know, and of course like Riam just should be favored uh, against almost any team in the world. But in, in this case, we kind of know like San Mames is not easy. They have the 12th man and it's athletic. And, uh, We'll see how how that shakes out, but I mean, th- this would really set the tone on how the season goes. And I I don't mean to simplify it and, and talk in cliches, but you know, it's really important to to start strong and be consistent throughout the league. So, hopefully, a, a W and an impressive W. If I'm Athletic, um, or even if I'm Real Madrid for that matter, I would like I think Munyain is just a better player to Berenguer. So I I don't really see why like he's just more more talented i mean you know what i mean like he's a better creator he's a better passer but berenguer obviously just uh, has a different style of profile that maybe might suit the game plan tomorrow i don't know um are we going to see raul garcia cameo tomorrow
0: hope not but uh it can always you see now he's less threat like yeah. uh, like before uh, he's at this point what 37 or something like that so of course he's not the same kind of 37 yeah. He's not the same kind of physical threat he was before, even like in the, in the last year. So it's like, OK, it's not that scary anymore. Because before before every time Raul Garcia is just like I, I can just imagine like like one of those like uh, wrestling memes. Someone comes into like spectacular entrance into the ring. Oh, God, here we go again. Yeah, with this guy. Good um, player. It's... But
1: uh, I was always scared of of our players yes. health when he entered.
0: Fortunately, it's not the case anymore because, of course, physically he's not at the same as the same at the same place he he was. Uh, You know, it's really funny. There was Osasuna signing like a younger, like a young Raul Garcia, like another guy named Raul Garcia. And I just see the signing and it's like, what happened here? And it's like, (laughs) I don't want I still have like the Raul Garcia trauma.
1: It's okay. There's only like two transfers to keep track of in Spain. So you'll, you'll get used to the two Raul Garcia's at Osasuna pretty quick. Yes. Um. All right. Well, is there anything else, Jose, before we wrap it up here?
0: No, nope. as far that, that's that, like, it's not, go- it's of course never an easy game at San Mames because again, athletic press, it's always hard to get out of the press. Uh. But I think we are, Facing an opponent that, let's be honest, Athletic, even if they dominate you, they they don't quite have the tools to turn. It, like it's a bit of a similar situation to Real Madrid right now, where even if you dominate, you don't quite they don't quite have the tools to actually score goals out of that dominance. And in that sense, I think they're in a worse spot than Real Madrid. So um, ultimately, I think. Of course, Real Madrid has the edge because of the player quality and because there's still more scoring talent in this team than in Atletic. So um, so that's the main thing. Like, even if Atletic dominates, it's going to be hard for them to score goals. So I find it a bit, it can always happen, but I find it a bit hard for Atletic to get, well, it's going to be a low scoring game overall. That's kind of what I'm expecting. Something of a 1-0, 1-1 kind of thing
1: very 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 possible uh all right so i guess that's it for preview time we'll be back after the game that's our next podcast uh the plan is matt and i will do a post-game show uh the night of the game so jose glad to have you back thanks for hopping on first of many for the 2023-2024 season thanks jose
0: yes very happy to be previewing again thanks kian and thanks everyone for listening